Welcome to Don't You Want Me, a podcast series taking a light-hearted look at the most relatable, intriguing and dysfunctional relationships in film. I'm Kat. And I'm Rich. So what? So fuck off, go home, leave you alone? Whatever. I'll tell you something, Paul. There isn't anything that I've wanted for 18 years because I was a kid 18 years ago. And if I did still want the same things, I think I'd gone wrong somewhere because actually I don't want to marry David Cassidy. I don't want bigger tits. I don't want to do well in my mockos. I've stopped worrying about all of that kind of thing and maybe you should try. And maybe there's a big bit of you that's gone missing somewhere. Maybe everyone should want something they've always wanted. In this special football crazy episode, we're camping outside the Arsenal Stadium in 1997's Fever Pitch, written by Nick Hornby and directed by David Evans. We covered Stephen Freer's High Fidelity, also based on a Hornby book in the first series of the podcast, so if you enjoy this episode, do go and catch that one too and perhaps consider leaving us a rating and review. We'll owe you a pint. How can a person's obsession with a beautiful game affect their romantic relationships? And why is it that adults aren't supposed to go mad about anything? Let's find out. We'll try not to get too sweary and loud. So Rich, you've been, I think, quite keen on covering the central relationship in this film for a while. Is there something about this movie, perhaps, that chimes with you on a personal level? I I mean, the fact that I may or may not be an Arsenal fan Mm. is probably the the biggest reason for this. And I mean, the the fact that I'd read the book uh, whenever in in the mid-90s and then was really keen to see the film. And, And one thing that a lot of people who've read the book and seen the film would know is that the that they're very different and obviously the the book of fever pitch was essentially an autobiography by nick hornby about his his falling in love with arsenal uh, back in the late 60s yeah um and then in this film they have to use the sh- the word shoehorn they have created a relationship to put into the film which yeah. which didn't exist in the original book but i think it, it's one that Yes, it's based around Arsenal, which obviously for me and and a lot of my friends massively hits on. But um, I think if you take the Arsenal bit out, fans of most football teams of a certain persuasion will look at this and and have, at the very least, some sympathies with one or or the other character um, within, if you're the fan of whatever degree, very you know, fairly casual or, or quite the obsessive, and also if the shoe's on the other foot, where if you're the partner of someone like that, whether you know you're, you're into football or not, that there is a big dynamic there because the premise of the film is that there are three parties to the relationship. Uh, you've got Paul and Sarah and the magnificent Arsenal Football Club. Yeah, the baby doesn't get a look in, does it really? No, no, not at all. (laughs) So, did you grow up watching Arsenal? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, I started supporting Arsenal... I would have been six, I remember. Oh, right, okay. And And did you go to an an actual game? Well, this is the problem. This is what rubs a lot of my friends up the wrong way, is that my first ever Arsenal match was the Liverpool game in this film. So oh, it was wow. So that was the first Arsenal game I ever went to. So it was all kind of downhill from there. Really. <laughs> what a great first game to have seen though. I know, it was completely unexpected, completely random and it was just like if, uh, someone from my school uh, had a ticket and someone pulled out and someone couldn't go and it was kind of my mum amazingly allowed me to go with them. 
uh, yeah. up, to, up to Liverpool on a Friday night wow. uh, when I was nine. And, um, and yeah, that was it. So, yeah, so that was my first Arsenal game. How incredible. Um, and then I didn't go to another one at Arsenal until I was 10, nearly 11. So it yeah. was kind of weird. You see that kind of when Paul Colin Firth's character is younger uh, and you see that side of it. Um, where he goes to his first game, gets blown away by it all, and how it forms relationship issues further down the line. Um, yes. You know, and, and we see here that Colin Firth, as he grows into, has this relationship with Arsenal that is always present, it's always there. And, and when people think of him, they think of Arsenal, and that's referred to at some point. And, and that's kind of, even as a teacher in a secondary school, people know him as the Arsenal guy. It's um, it's kind yes. of a weird identity thing to see. Um, I mean, is that something that you've, w- when you were growing up, was that something that you were aware of, you know, like f- football or kind of that obsessive behaviour about anything? Completely. I think, you know, football is a massive part of culture. And even as a girl at school where it wasn't uh, something that was uh, encouraged for the girls to play as part of their PE lessons, I would play football with the boys at the break times when I was at primary school. And I really enjoyed that. It's one of my sort of fondest school memories, actually. I really had a lot of fun playing football informally like that. And I have a lot of nice memories around things like World Cups and stuff that would kind of characterise certain summers in my youth. And um, I had a dad that was a massive uh, Man U fan and um, he also sort of like, yeah, exactly. And um, he'd watch a lot of international football as well as that. And um, so, yeah, it's always been something that was in the backdrop of all of my experiences, even though I would, you know, classify myself as a as a casual football <laughs> fan. So, I mean, football's quite um, an interesting part of British culture in that way, isn't it? I mean, it's it's pretty impossible for it not to have some bearing on your life, isn't it, in one way, shape or form? Yeah, and I think when it, when it comes to the, the time that this film came out, so 1997, we, we're coming into a time and away from another time where, where football was very much a male-dominated pursuit. I mean, it still is. To, yeah. to some degree but but things since the mid-90s have changed weirdly the book of this was credited widely with turning it into a more of a, a middle class pursuit um, yes. from its origins but then by this point we've had Euro 96 the start of the Premier League all these things where and 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 again they, they touch on later on in the film Hillsborough yes which led to all-seater stadiums where the the scene where Sarah and Paul go to the match which from memory, the same day that Illsborough have an Arsenal home, we're home to Newcastle. And um, the, the scene where the crowd surge forwards. Yes. So all seat stadiums, that can't happen now. And yeah, of course. so that part where she talks about feeling unsafe with him because he's taking her somewhere because it's like, I suppose it's like meeting the parents or something, isn't it? You take, take a partner <laughs> to a football match or a concert or something and of your favourite team or your favourite band and you don't really think about it because to to them it's not an issue you know it's just what happens you go to yes, yes. you go to a gig and there's a surge or whatever there's a bit of a crush at the front and and nowadays that that's far less likely to happen but yeah you know her face throughout you know she talks about hating it and everything even though at the time she says yep fine enjoying it yep very gritted teeth 
Um, yeah. It's a difficult scene to watch now in hindsight. No, no, completely. Well, it's um, it's the sort of it's the culmination, isn't it, of certain things that have been leading up to to that. I mean, going going back a bit in terms of the film, uh, it's quite an interesting way that they first come across each other, isn't it? With the two of them, with um, in adjacent classes, and uh, his teaching style being very different to hers. Yeah, it's like. He's turned his class into a, uh, well, she she likens it to a riot or a mob. Um, and yet they're both teachers. And when she talks to her housemate about, oh, he's this, you know, because of course in this film, they've put a romantic comedy in there. So they have to have the friends as confidence, confidence. Um, so he's got Mark Strong. Yes. And she's got mid 80s looking Act, um, flatmate who <laughs> smokes a lot and has short sort of gel I think her hair. name's Ho- Holly Ed. Holly, yeah. okay. Yeah. Sorry, Holly, if you're listening. And, um, <laughs> and, um, but you know, so, so there's a lot of weight put on the friends to kind of listen to all this stuff. Yes. So when they're talking, she's like, oh, it was one of the questions, has he read Byron? And was, was Iron Knickers Hughes ends up with a yob on the yeah. other things. And yet when... Uh, Paul goes to talk to Mark Strong at a, a lower non-league ground, and he's talking about is, is she fit? You shut the football hooligan! I knew it! I knew it! He's not a football hooligan. Oh right, so he has read Byron then. He about to have done. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't really matter if he hasn't, does it? Who'd have thought it, eh? Iron Nickers Hughes <laughs> ending up with a yob. Well, what's she like? Oh, she's just one of those women, you know. If you like football, you must be a yob, bollocks. Is she fit? Not that you'd prove her point or anything. It's that, that's where a lot of the exposition goes in terms of the relationship. And it seems to work because I think that they're, they're handled quite well and, and the, those two circles don't really meet, which kind of helps keep it that little bit of distance. Whereas, you know, when when Harry met Sally, flag alert, yes, I'm going to talk about it again their friends who they talk and confide in end up getting yes. married together yes. and having a wonderful relationship whereas here they're kept very much apart because yeah, they, they are, don't need they? to yeah. yeah that's true I think that both Holly Erd and Mark Strong are very good in this film actually I think they both both get very good performances do we think that Colin Firth can ever pull off being characterised as a yob the, the point is I guess is that he grew up in home counties yeah. Um, so was it Maidenhead? Yeah. Um, and then there was a joke in there actually where he put on the Cockney Islington accent uh, when he was in the Reading end of the game in the cup game. And he's like, oh, oh, right. I have to get it get it off a tear, didn't I? Um, <laughs> you know, so, so there, there, there was a little bit of that in there, I suppose. Yes. But um, yes. had to get it off a tear, didn't I? I mean, I, I guess it would have been too easy to have. I've suddenly drawn a blank for like mid '90s actors who would have been, you know, more convincing, like in a London, you know, be someone off EastEnders or something, doing that actor otherwise. But uh, I guess Colin Firth probably became available. And well, I mean, Robert Carlyle was quite a convincing Yorkshireman, so I bet he would have been able to do London. I just think Robert Carlyle could do it. <laughs> 
the, the way that they come together and it's after a kind of a bit of an exchange at a parents evening yes yes um, yeah so she's very hostile to him from the get-go i mean i think that's something that's very striking about their relationship is that she seems extremely angry with him (laughs) from the first moment she lays eyes on him and he you know and then then he's quite consistent in his sort of um demeanor all the way through the film and she um, she continues to be angry with him for most of the film and then they end up together (laughs) and you think wow that's quite incredible but in some ways not not wholly um not wholly unconvincing i mean i think that it's uh it's quite realistic in some ways about what some relationships between men and women can be like. I think that sometimes women can be quite attracted to guys who are a bit ambivalent maybe, or a little Mm. bit, you know, just sort of into their own stuff because sometimes it draws you in. You kind of think, well, they don't seem to be, you know, looking at me twice. What, what's what they got going on? You know, so you get kind of drawn into that sometimes. Yeah, possibly. And I suppose the fact that, I mean, maybe football being the, the vehicle of the film it could be anything that he's particularly passionate about i mean it could be you know we we see that he's fairly into music but i mean he could be into i don't know stamp collecting or whatever sort of hobby that he's particularly passionate about it just happens to be football because that's that's why we're all here ladies and gentlemen and and i guess the fact that he's able to be passionate about something in its own way must be appealing in some regard so do you really think that, though? Do you really think that being obsessed with a football team is the same as being really in stamp collecting? Because I don't know if that's true. Um, I mean, like, in terms of the time that it takes up, the way it kind of, you know, because they have that interesting conversation, don't they, in bed about the fact that he schedules his life around the football seasons, whereas he won't schedule a weekend with her in advance of Friday afternoon. And you don't do that with stamp collecting, do you? Well, unless you'd go to, like, conventions and fairs and stuff. Um, it's, not, it's not the same level of time commitment, though, is it? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't. We need a stamp stamps. collector on yeah. it. If, if you, if you, if <laughs> any of our listeners, if you avidly collect stamps, do let us know how much of your time it takes up and what the constraints are on your schedule. Yeah, I mean, I don't really. I don't know. It says a lot about me. My brain goes immediately to the antiques roadshow and thinks like, well, they all meet on a Sunday evening every week, and bear in mind it's probably filmed on a Tuesday morning or something. But it's um. I, I'm not sure, but then that's the thing with football, isn't it? It's, um, <laughs> you know, I remember, you know, when you go to football, it's it becomes a whole day thing a lot of the time, um, you know, unless you're going, yeah. to, going to home games. So, and I suppose because most football occurs on a Saturday or a Sunday, mm-hmm. if you're in a relationship with someone who doesn't, I, I'm not advocating that you should only go out with football fans if you're a football fan, but... Sometimes if you're in a new relationship, it it can be quite difficult to convey the fact that, okay, I'm going to football. Well, football's 90 minutes. Well, yeah, but then it's 90 minutes. It's every Saturday or Sunday. Um, It's the whole day because I've got to go there. You know, I've got to hang around. If you go for a couple of beers, you know, it might be the best part of of the whole day. Um, And if you go to an away game, you know, it might might be an overnighter. And... Especially if you work in a school where it's Monday, it's very much a Monday to Friday job. Yeah. Suddenly that weekend isn't available. And, yeah. you know, if you're portrayed as this fan who goes to every game, and bear in mind, it's not made clear that Paul goes to away games. So if he's got a season ticket for Arsenal, that's every, mostly every other Saturday. So yeah. Really, it's not that much of a commitment, you know. And bear in mind, games back then were mainly played on Saturdays. Yeah. I'm sounding such a dork now. But, um... <laughs> 
But that's the thing. Yeah. Even if you do go out with a football, fan, you get given a scarf to wear, and you get brought to games like a little mascot dressed in all the gear. And um, and you know that's the thing. When you're in that relationship, if they're trying to get you into that, you're like that's the team that you're following. So even if you are a fellow football fan, isn't it that you've got to be a fellow fan of the specific team that they like? Uh, yeah, that could be weird. Otherwise, you've got to be sort of indoctrinated. Yeah, because I think yeah. that, that's one of the lines, wasn't it? Where, you know, you end up... When, she, um, when the, the friend was talking about her ex-boyfriend, she remembers her his batting average. And they said, like, you're indoctrinated into this cult where you're now recognising Arsenal players off the telly and talking yeah. about their, their <laughs> top goal scorer. Because, um, yeah, and I guess it is kind of that thing, isn't it? It's, you want to share your interest... Yeah, yeah, totally. I like it being at a football game. You're allowed to eat chips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, and then it's it's there is a balance to be had, I suppose. But then I guess, you know, when, when it does that, that chat is interesting because, you know, the way that she talks about, oh, you don't know you'll be seeing me in October, but you know you'll be seeing Arsenal. And it's like, well, they'd only be going out for, I mean, for the whole length of their relationship. So I assume it started in September when the schools started yeah and then the culmination of the film was the 26th of may yeah 1989 because that date's imprinted on my brain so realistically <laughs> they've been going out for what seven eight months in all this time and yeah. um i mean it's still fairly young relationship you know for him to be making a commitment of that length i don't know but um. <laughs> well, he says to her, doesn't he? He says, "If it, do- I'm, I'm not scared of commitment. If it doesn't happen with you, that's because of you, not me. <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't happen with you, it'll happen with someone else. And you'll have to watch. Um, yes. But, I mean, he was right. Arsenal did play in the Charity Shield that season. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, um, that, that's the thing about it. Is, you know, the fixture list does govern everything. You have to, you know... If your game gets moved from a Saturday to a Monday night or a Friday night or something, you play in midweek, apologies, yeah. but the fixture list rules all. That's interesting. Mm. So is there is there something about that, the, the way of kind of following it uh, to that degree? Is because they have uh, quite an affecting line, don't they, about how... Um, how you know it's I think he said something along the lines of it's not easy to become a football fan um you've got to you know you've got to work at it quite hard but then once you've once you've made enough progress it's like being accepted into this family Mm. and um is is it to do with that is it that you do feel kind of like part of part of a sort of mutually supportive family so if you start a new relationship it's almost like you have to say to the person as you say it's like they're meeting the parents thing you're 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 saying i'm really part of this group that's kind of giving me um certain aspects of emotional support (laughs) that that you'll never be able to emulate i guess so i mean that you know if if you go long enough and you you know the people around you and the people you meet in the pubs and on the trips and and things like that then yeah i guess it, it does become that yeah. Um, you spend a lot of your time with those people. You know, if you go go on a trip, you're there. You see them fairly regularly, at least every fortnight, more than you probably do see. You know, if you go see your parents or your sort of slightly extended family or things like that. So um, th- there is a big part of that, and and then weirdly, you don't often see each other away from that environment. 
Yes, I see. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it happens. Um, but, you, you know, your usual thing is I'll see at the next game. Yes. Um, so there, there is that. Whereas you can't say you, your football team's for life anyway. But um, you, you're like, yes, it's, it's an awkward one, isn't it? Well, do you think, I mean, from your your experience, do you think that the relationship in this film rings true? Because I, I think it does. I, I was yeah. quite impressed by it in that way. I thought that um, they didn't sugarcoat it. I think that his that Paul's character feels quite real to me in terms of um, men that you actually might meet in real life and, and their dedication to something that they're really into. Yeah, very much. I think um, the, the way... Like you said, I mean, like Sarah's character was was quite hostile at the beginning, and and I know you mentioned once about the poster, in that she's kind of portrayed as that kind of arms folded with a slightly like, oh yeah, face. I got ratioed on Twitter for, for yes. making a comment on that. But then I think that's the thing is that you know they they found a balance where where he is, and basically when when you portray against the season that Arsenal had that year. You know, Arsenal hadn't won the league for 18 years. 18 years? 18 years! 18 fucking years! So, for him, they hadn't won the league since he was a kid. And when he was going with his dad to games. And and, and that's the line that we kind of used to quote from earlier about, you know, wanting things that you've always wanted. And, yes. and wanting the thing yeah. from 18 years ago. Because, you know, when, when he was a kid... So, I assume... I think his first game was at 68... And it kind of went through to 72. So Arsenal would have won the double in that phase. So maybe his, I don't know, maybe his dad had felt some kind of kinship then as well, you know, because yes. b- before Arsenal won the league in 71, they hadn't won the league for 18 years before that. 18 years. Yeah, 18 years. 18 fucking years. It's weird right, these things yeah. come in circles. And as the time of recording, Arsenal have not won the league for 18 years. Um, but <laughs> we, we, we're in that kind of realm where... You know, she says, I'm not the same person. I don't want the same things as 18 years ago. Whereas, he, I mean, to be fair, that's the only thing from 18 years ago he wants. He's not in any control of it in any shape or form. Yeah. Um, but it does kind of weigh there. And, and, you know, when jumping towards the end, when he applies for the, the head of year job at the school, gets the phone call on the Saturday morning. Mm. And then she goes around to console him and he's like, the job, the bloody job. um, (laughs) Because Arsenal had lost at home to Derby and they thought they'd lost the league. Yeah, it's quite a dark scene that in its own way. Yeah, they they do have a couple of very tense arguments. I mean, there's there's that that one and and Hillsborough, which would have been four weeks earlier. So yeah, that's a really uncomfortable scene. And I mean, I mean that in a complimentary way. I mean, I think that both of those scenes you really feel like, oh God, I don't know if these two are going to be able to make it. They really, it really feels like there's a, there's a deep, a deep irritation <laughs> that's mutual. <laughs> well, the line in there when he says about one day you'll like something you can't tick. Yeah. I mean, it's a great line and you'd yeah. have to be able to say it, but it's, that's a really deep, like, I resent you enjoying your job or whatever. Yeah, because he makes these digs about lesson plans and Miss Jean Brodie and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, whereas for him, teaching is kind of, it's his job. Where you know, it's, it pays his season ticket and his rent and all that. Whereas he sees it to her as her be all and end all because she doesn't 
we don't see her having another pursuit because when we see her at home, she's doing, I assume, stuff for prepping for school. Yeah, and she's stressing about him to her. Yeah. I mean, the, this film, I have to say, it's real peak failing Bechdel test film <laughs> in the sense that all of the scenes between the two women, they're just, you know, t- discussing the guys and then the guys are allowed to discuss the football. You know, so. Yeah, yes. Because everything is like, I owe you a new carpet or whatever. And, you know, I mean, that, yeah. That, yeah. That, that way that they end up in bed the first time, when she's like, oh yeah, let's discuss that. Let's oh, that's take brilliant. that. Part that's off. superb. <laughs> I mean, bear in mind that car journey home. She was having a go at him for most of it, and then he. Yeah, was... she seemed to completely hate his guts. And understandably, well, I'm not yeah. having a go at her for that. I mean, you know, like, uh, what I mean is, you know, she's allowed to not like him if she if she doesn't want. But then, but you then know, yeah, he was upset because Paul Davis got a nine game ban for punching that Southampton player. But you know, so she's having a go at him, and it's like. You can come in for coffee if you want. And it's, it's like the so, gold yeah. blend advert, isn't it? It's so weird because the thing is, um, when they first meet and she's having a go at him about the noise from his class, I get why that would mm. be distracting. Enough. But then as it continues, like in that scene, as you say, when he's giving her a lift and she's being very overtly rude and hostile, you're a bit like, you don't, you don't know this guy that well. He's giving you a lift and you're just being like, I fucking hate you! <laughs> <laughs> You're like okay, but then and then and then um, but then she invites him for co- in for coffee, and then immediately just says you can sleep. Like he doesn't have to do any any chatting whatsoever. He hasn't so even taken like, oh, his jacket is- off. <laughs> you know, she she's made him a mug of coffee, gold blend probably, and um, you know, he's there in his jacket about to light up, and she's yeah. like, no, don't smoke, but. It's very interesting. I mean, at that uh, that moments like that, I do think '90s cinema really does set guys up for a bit of a fall because if they're watching this and they think, "Oh, that's all I need to do. I just need to be obsessed with football, not really talk about anything else, be quite gruff, it, and then I'll just be invited in and she'll sleep with me." <laughs> that's all. Well, that explains a lot of my problems. Bloody hell! <laughs> I actually sat there making notes. But, yeah. <laughs> No, I thought that was that was one of the most. Um, it felt a little bit like that scene may have had um, because I think Nick Hornby is a fantastic screenwriter, but you can imagine maybe that, that scene was longer, and then they decided that they wanted the running time for the film. They wanted to dedicate more time at the end, maybe to the euphoric um, celebrations or something. So they, they decided, like, actually, let's just not bother <laughs> with, with that. Let's, let's cut the really like they probably had a Thomas Crown style chess match real tense moment between them and they went nah get rid of it yeah yeah maybe that's it we need more oiks drinking Stella outside the old Arsenal ground yeah one thing that's quite funny about um, Sarah as well is that she very often seems to be wearing what looks to me like a Christmas jumper (laughs) (laughs) like in several scenes like why is she wearing a Christmas jumper to a football match in April this is interesting anyway I think that's maybe a 1989 thing possibly I mean the the, the thing is with the film you know and and not trying to get away from the relationship too much but like the the, the film being in two parts you know the the soundtrack of the film is very sort of late 80s as well along with the the earlier part being the kind of early 70s but it's um, it is weird when you kind of think this was a a film made in 90 or released in 97 yeah. set in 89 yeah and 
68, 72, whatever. So you're kind of having a bit, a little bit of fun with like the hairstyles and the fashions of the time. And, and of course, you know, even little things like, you know, smoking 25 years on is less prevalent now than it was. But yeah, it would have been weird because at that point, you know, as well, when they made the film, that scene where they're standing at the football yeah. when, when he takes it they couldn't make that Arsenal because Arsenal had already ripped it up and put seats in oh interesting so they filmed okay. that at Fulham and the whole film starts with there she goes by the Lars mm. which is that I thought I think maybe that is a 1989 song but it, it's funny isn't it it really feels like an early 90s yeah. song to me um and maybe that's because it it's also the song that plays at the beginning of So I Married an Axe <laughs> <laughs> And a lot, and I think it's sort of used quite a lot in the 90s because it's sort of one of those um, songs that sort of preempts Britpop a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, there's something about the way the film opens with that song, but then, as you say, it's set at the later 80s and also at the beginning of the 70s that kind of, um, there's a lot of sort of time flipping. There's the slightly dodgy 70s wigs that kind <laughs> yeah. of... Throw, throw, they throw you a little bit, and oh, Neil Pearson's hair was magnificent, wasn't it? Oh, fantastic, mm. fantastic, lovely sideburns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought he was great. I thought that that, that the scene actually where he takes him to the football match uh, near the beginning of the film, and you see him become enchanted by the mm. the beautiful game. I think it's a really good scene. Yeah, I think I think that that's kind of what's often painted as the moment when the kid loves falls in love with football, or their first memory, or or something like that. It's walking up uh, up the steps and then looking back and seeing this whole pitch in yeah. front of you. And I guess you don't really get that if you go to like a local non-league thing or anything like that. But if you go to a big stadium, whether it's Arsenal, Wembley, uh, Man, Man United, or something like that, you know that there is that thing where yes. you kind of have this moment of awe because this you're in this stadium that holds you know tens of thousands of people um, yeah. and this big expanse of green in the middle and all the associated sights and sounds and smells and, and, and all sorts. But um, Yeah, I thought that it, um, it kind of captured the, how infectious the atmosphere of live events can mm. be so even if it's not a football match you know you, as you say you could be going to a stadium to see a, a gig or something like that or just just one of the I thought that the just the way they did the crowd scenes and so you know they were good at kind of conveying how this boy who was just very ambivalent about the whole idea was quite immediately swept up just by you know just how euphoric the kind of atmosphere of these things are and how you can't really replicate that just by watching something on television you've got to kind of be at a place with other people that are feeling enthused about something and it can yeah. be quite magic it's funny how they didn't paint sarah's face in that regard when she went to football you know she sat there with a face on <laughs> the face on. we know like but like she she looked like she was wasn't enjoying herself they didn't have that moment there because this wasn't her story. And it wasn't her yes. falling in love with football. It was her going along because she likes her boyfriend. Yes. Um, I mean, she might have loved him. I don't know if they'd said that at the time. Yeah. Well, although didn't they did quite a good... Um, it was quite a good comparison there because, as you, as you say, when he was taken as a boy, he was sat down and also his dad was kind of guiding him through the mm. experience a bit. Whereas... When he takes Sarah, she she's you know the fact that she's being jostled around so much, and 
you also find out retrospectively that she's pregnant, which mm. will also be feeding into her thing. And he does look a bit... I th- at one point, he does turn around and sort of say, you all right? But for a while, he kind of looks like he's just so distracted that, you know, he could kind of forget where she is. And I think that, you know, they're playing into little things that you might sort of just be thinking about in a moment like that. You might be thinking that um, you like to... Yeah, you like to see your guy sort of swept up in the moment, but on the other hand, if he looks so swept up that he doesn't um, know you're there, like, um, because as we've been talking about before we started recording, I've been watching the US version of The Office recently. And in one of the earlier episodes, they have Pam talking about her worst ever date, and it transpires it is actually with the guy that she's engaged to at the beginning of the series. And um, the date is her having been, I think, maybe to a basketball match. But anyway, it's that um, she goes with her fiancé and his brother and the two of them completely forget that she's there and leave without her at the end. And that's her way of (laughs) kind of conveying, you know, the feeling of a really bad day. And I think that's the thing. It's just that scene when he takes the football match, I think it's going through her head a little bit, like, does he care that I'm here? Kind Mm. of thing, you know. Yeah. So, so there's always that kind of fine balance, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of, you know, the, the shared experience is very much different. And obviously it's, you know, it's, it's clouded by what happened elsewhere on that day. And yeah. that leads to them talking around, you know, later on. Because, you know, when she's, you know, this was her saying, oh, well, they can't, this is the end of football. And when he said, well, no, they'll even replay this game, which they did football moved on and and yes it generated a lot of change yes but you know ultimately for him it was just like oh this is another another thing and 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 it led to the argument again between them where they spend more time in the film arguing slash not getting on or at least at some kind of loggerheads and you don't see a lot of them being happy and even when they're doing, they're walking down Camden Passage, looking in antique shop windows, and she's asking him, I think it is about Byron, isn't it? And he's like, no, I'm thinking about Arsenal. Or is it about D.H. Lawrence? Uh, oh, was it D.H.? Oh, see, I'm not an English teacher. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I was just thinking about Arsenal, sorry. Um. <laughs> the thing is, they, they talk about how she is interested in her job, but... They don't really indicate that she's interested in the subject that she teaches, which I think would be more of a kind of natural thing to um, tell you about someone's life outside of work, if you see what I mean. Mm. They kind of, they, they, they sort of equate the subject of English literature with just someone shuffling papers and carrying around folders and being a bit uptight. And I, there's something about that that's slightly annoys me because you kind of think you're sort of making out that by being into football you you can loosen up and you're into something that's actually fun whereas you know like if you like reading books that's really boring (laughs) i mean when you think about this and high fidelity where uh, rob's character was was he obsessed with music or just happened to you know as a big music fan yeah whether there, there is that kind of male obsession thing going on there I don't I don't really know but I suppose Nick Hornby writes about maybe what he knows um and it was nice that he got a cameo in the film as well so um yes his Hitchcock moment <laughs> yeah yeah I mean it's difficult because it's not 
done. And I think, may, again, maybe this is one of the things where had it been made now, it might have been handled slightly differently in terms of the portrayal of the female character. Yeah, one would hope so. Yeah, it, it did feel a bit like, right, football's popular, we need to make a film about this, and they have literally pasted this relationship on top of the, the book. Yeah. Um, and it's kind yeah, of... But, yeah, yeah. And, it, and it just feels a bit like, we already know this wasn't originally written and it's written for the screen. But yeah. it's kind of, you know, when you're already sitting there, right, you're, I, I wonder how many Tottenham fans have watched this film because it's so heavily marketed Arsenal and, and one of Arsenal's greatest moments. Um, yes. But yeah, you do wonder if, if 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 it was done differently now, I don't know. But then I suppose at one point, Paul, during one of the montages, towards the end after one of their arguments, he's drinking Holston Pills, which no Arsenal fan in 1989 would fucking touch. Oh, Holston really? Pills. Why? Tell me Tell me why. They, they sponsored Spurs shirts at the time. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. Because so, we're so fickle, you see. So, like, um, you know, I never had a sharp TV because they sponsored Man United. I didn't drink Carlsberg, but that was more because it tasted piss. Yeah, don't drink Holston or had a Hewlett Packard computer. Okay. That's how we work. <laughs> and they didn't explain that in the film, did they? No, God, I, such a, an education. I had a JVC TV because they sponsored Arsenal. I had wow. a, I had a Sega Dreamcast because they sponsored Arsenal. I am a mug because I support Arsenal. That's so interesting. It's really sad, isn't it? No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I could feel the pat on the head there. <laughs> It actually, in terms of the way it came across with her, her, her life, it reminded me a little bit of Sliding Doors, actually, because mm. I thought that there was something about the combination of, of her getting together with, um, with a guy and it all being um, quite turbulent, but then her getting pregnant and in the interim of all of this, that you sort of have the, the thing of the turmoil that she's in getting pregnant and that being understandably a very dramatic thing to be happening to her meanwhile he's sort of concentrating on other things and um and the thing is also when someone has a big interest in their life and you have a relationship with them quite often what happens is you either they either just get on with it and you do other things while they're doing that as you say or if you are going to um take on their hobby what usually happens is that something in your life has to go you know you you start going oh actually I can't make that because I've got to do that instead which you know happens in relationships that's all you know certain amount of compromise of course kind of thing but with this one you don't you don't really get the impression do you that she's having to you get you get the feeling that she's annoyed with him for being obsessed with Arsenal, but you don't really know what it is that she was doing before she met him with her free time that she's now having to sacrifice. Lesson plans. Lesson plans. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I was kind of thinking. I don't think that count. I don't think you can say lesson plans as a way of telling the viewer about the internal life of your female character. I think that's a bit lazy, you know. Isn't yeah. It? So, yeah. I, I, well, that's the thing. It is the whole kind of something's got to give element of it but like it's not like they go on you know who knows maybe you know he goes to football on the Saturday and they go on hikes on the Sunday or they go shopping or they do other things or whatever yeah she likes English literature they might go to a play exactly go to a play or go to like a book 
festival tour, whatever. You know, yeah, I'm sh- sh- show my yeah. show my ignorance here. You know, this is all very before sunset, isn't it? You know, they could go to a bookshop and listen to ah, link back to that episode. Um, <laughs> but no, I think I think there is that where this is because they're trying they're trying to cram a bit too much in. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm glad they made the film of this because it's immortalised that Arsenal win in Hollywood. I mean, they've since made documentaries and films and books about it and all that, but it's nice to see it here as well because even though, you know, the the cynic in me and the pedant will mock the various flaws in how they've portrayed this ending of the film, it's still glorious and the fact that you do want... oh it's a lovely ending it's really yeah. euphoric I, I i very much i found it actually really quite touching it end. is but yeah. then you also think about and i know we don't always talk about this when it comes to romantic relationships but when you think about where did it go afterwards yeah so she's pregnant and he's kind of made a very offbeat mention of getting married um but then they're getting back together at this point was based on arsenal winning yeah exactly <laughs> Because just before minutes before they win, he screams out the window to, to fuck, fuck off. off. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, is, did, did he realise it was her though? Will you please, 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 just fucking fuck off? You have arrived during the worst sixty seconds of my life, and I really don't want to see you. I don't. I don't think he does. Yeah. But the thing is, the fact that it doesn't occur to him that it might be her mm. that's ringing persistently at yeah. that point, considering he has a girlfriend who is pregnant, and you know, just the fact that it doesn't occur to him yeah. is quite powerful. As a, in a moment, you think, okay, I I know that you didn't know that was her, but the fact that you're so kind of wrapped up in this moment is yeah. striking. Yeah, because then you've got the euphoria, and, and and again, I'm going, I'm going to be Arsenal fan, Rich again. So you think like. You've got the euphoria of this moment. So Arsenal won the league. So he no longer wants Arsenal to win. Well, that that 18-year itch has been scratched. So now he can concentrate on the relationship. Now Arsenal win the league again in two years' time. And, you know, they only lose once in the whole season. It's really glorious. Um, And they go on a mini-run of of success. Yeah. Now, you kind of wonder, is their relationship happiness completely linked to the success of Arsenal Football Club <laughs> it feels like it <laughs> because if Arsenal lose he's in a huff and something bad happens I mean bear in mind Arsenal won the day that Hillsborough happened yeah. um, but obviously you know the, and that but so Arsenal from that point generally did pretty well on the whole yeah until about 2006-ish so you kind of feel like for, for 17 years so until their child was about 16 or 17, they were probably okay. Yeah. And then Arsenal moved stadium. So wherever they bought their house. So if they bought that house next to the box office of the old stadium, it's no longer right on top of the ground. I mean, that ground is now flats. So maybe they moved into the flats, but then it all went downhill from there. Would you like to live in that house? Probably. I mean, it would make life a lot easier. Um, <laughs> it'll save my commute um, sorry, it's not even a commute is it it's, I don't work there um, yeah I always thought if I won the lottery I'd buy one of the flats that they built in the, the old stadium but um, oh really yeah but then yeah so then they moved stadium yeah and the, the, the whole layout's different so you wonder if they did it now and obviously Arsenal haven't had that moment I suppose Man City probably have where they've had that last minute winner but yeah it's, it's not I think it's very peak 1989 
and all that because you know she, he compares her to George Graham. Yes. At the end, and it turns from a compliment to an insult. Yeah, well, don't her her school kids yeah. refer to her as that when they're giving her the present, which I think is a nice scene. Yeah, kind of, kind of shows actually that she um all of her paper shuffling is actually for quite a good reason. <laughs> they all think that she's a really great teacher. So. Well, George Graham was famous for having his back four held together by a rope and training them <laughs> in the way that he, you know, when he's teaching the class, uh, the football team, and he says, get them all to stand up in a line and hold their arms up in the air, like the, the offside trap, obviously from the full Monty. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah. but yeah, that was a George Graham thing. So maybe that was, you know, maybe he was hoping he she'd tie him up with a bit of rope or something. I don't know, but she probably would by the neck at the end of it. But. <laughs> Is being into sport a socially acceptable way of being able to get yourself out of social obligations you'd rather avoid? It would depend on the obligation, really, because I think maybe that's why a lot of weddings are in the summer, <laughs> sort of in the, not in the football season. And um, I suppose then you'd have the World Cup, wouldn't you? But um, I've never been to a wedding when there's been a World Cup on. And I suppose it would be a test of the friendship. If you kind of right, I'm getting married this Saturday. And you go, yeah, but Arsenal are at home to Stoke. Yeah. Uh, hopefully the game will get moved for TV to the Sunday. Yeah, because they won't move the wedding. Um, I I think it is to a point, but I, I I think if you're properly friends with, or it was a partner thing. I mean, you'd have to be really kind of like, I don't know. It would be a difficult one to pull off if you get out of something because of a football match, unless it was yeah. a cup final or something. Yeah, I mean, like I I don't remember missing anything major because of football, but maybe because I haven't scheduled anything to clash with it um, and the people I know wouldn't clash I suppose my best mate's wedding rehearsal was the night of the Champions League final when Liverpool won oh yeah how did that go that was weird because it was wedding rehearsal so we were all in this church and we left to go to the rehearsal when Liverpool were 3-0 down mm. we weren't very popular following the game on our then mobile phones as Liverpool got back to 3 all. Yeah. In the church. And then got back to his house just in time to watch a penalty shootout. Um, oh, wow. Well done. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think it would be different. I mean, it's like the old You've Been Framed clips when you see someone at a wedding and it cle- they're clearly watching football because they stand up and cheer at random point throughout the ceremony. Yes. Um, oh, I see. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But, I think the scene where um, Colin Firth and Mark Strong watch the game is really well-written, well-done scene, actually. I was thinking that it's much more realistic about how people tend to watch football games than is um, usually depicted, I think, in in films and stuff. It's usually a bit more kind of romanticised, isn't it? Where, mm. Whereas there's something about the way Paul is pacing around. Kind yeah. of thing. I don't know why we bothered to turn the television. I'm leaving. <laughs> good good <laughs> and, fuck um, off then. Yeah, and he says you've got some kind of disease that turns people into miserable bastards. I was thinking, yeah, this is. I think this this actually captures the th- the kind of the agony of um, being dedicated to a team. Like there are, there are these moments where I mean, I, I think I could feel it around me. I was in I was in England last summer when England got to the finals of the Euros, and um, there is that 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 kind of thing, isn't it? People are treading a line between pain and. Um, 
excitement around watching some of these games. And I think that that scene kind of conveys that really well. They're both really good in that scene. Deeks and everyone's looking very close at him at the moment. But he's beginning to get the mood of this game. I'll just see what they've got to say. Doing OK, aren't we? But what's the use of OK? Might as well be losing 8-0. I don't think that's really true, Paul, is it? I'd say if you want to win a game 2-0, you've got more chance if it's 0-0 at half-time than you have if you're eight goals down. Do you see where I'm coming from? You're living in cloud cuckoo land. Join the real world. In the real world, it's 0-0 at half-time. It's difficult. I mean, I, I've not really watched many tense games on telly. I've normally been there. Yeah. Um, but Get you. Get well, no, you. But you know what I mean. <laughs> 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 you know, but I've been tense at the game and, and you do have yeah. that thing where you don't, you know, you can't have this really slick dialogue with your mate. It's not like, fuck off. Like, you know, there's not like, everyone's just biting their nails and gritting their teeth. You know, if you go to a penalty shootout or Champions League final and Arsenal were winning for a while and we end up getting fucking tear gassed. But it was like, yeah. you know, th- things like that. And, and, and there isn't because you're just so nervous about stuff like that. Yes, yes. Um, and... And I suppose it's hard to convey that. I don't know, that, especially when it comes to emotions. Like, because guys cry at football. Yeah. Not openly all the time, but it happens, you know, like big moments and, and stuff. I've been guilty of it. And and yet you try and explain that, oh, no, I'm this really tough guy. Or oh, when was the last time you cried? <gasps> Champions League semi-final 2006. Jens Lehmann saved a penalty. And it's like... <laughs> That's true, by the way. And um, oh, wow. and <laughs> you're sitting there like explaining that, and they think you're some kind of freak. Yeah. Because, but then that's the emotions. That's you know, the, again, it's you've been wanting something for eighteen years, ten years, five years, whatever. If you're Spurs, many, 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 many years. Yeah. When was the last time they won the league? Sixty-one years since Spurs won the league. Um, so not that I'm counting. And. <laughs> It's it's one of those things, and it's one. I think it'll always be there because it's. I I don't know of many relationships that have formed at football and lasted. Yeah. You know, so you think if if you met someone through going to football, and you had this shared, almost equal interest, I wonder how that would work. Well, maybe mm. the the danger would be, as you say, it's like what you're what you're slightly fearful of at the end of this film is that you can think. Well, it's very easy to feel like you're head of heels in love with someone when you're wrapped up in the euphoria (laughs) of a street party after your team has won Mm. in this way after decades, you know, but like the rest of the time. I mean, that's the... That's the thing about the the being an avid football fan. I was thinking men can be very loyal to... I don't know why I'm saying men. People. People. People can be very loyal to a football team that consistently um, loses... Or, or at least has mm-hmm. very extended rough patches and they can stick with them and stick with them all their lives sometimes. But people are less tolerant, aren't they, arguably, in relationships? Like if you're going through through a lot of rows with someone or a lot of rough patches, then do you, th- do you think we have a tendency to be less tolerant of that and to kind of um, to sort of give up on that more easily than we do on a football team? Yeah, well, you can't change your team, but you can change your partner. Is that too matter-of-fact? 
and, and I don't mean like that's quite a good um if, if we're going to make a trailer I think we should probably use that clip <laughs> I mean, that sounds like that's the sort of thing you'd hold over someone well I'm not going to change my football team but why 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 are we more dedicated to our football teams I guess in most cases you've probably been supporting the same football team since you were a kid um, and it's been your constant and whether it's because it was you know a lot of people support a team because their parents took them there or because that's where they grew up yeah. and that's what they do that's where they support the team they do um, I mean I was quite fortunate I suppose in that growing up when I did and all my family supported Liverpool because Liverpool were the best team at the time yeah, Arsenal were my local team, and it, I it, a lot of it was being contrary. It's like I'm not supporting because you all do. I'm going to support my local team. Oh, it's Arsenal. Oh, that's good. And Arsenal yeah. then became quite good. Say you only went to one seventh of your choral society rehearsals. They throw you out, wouldn't they? Arsenal won't throw you out. They want your money. You know, again, if I didn't go to Arsenal, someone else would in my place. Yeah, and I know that, but it has to be me. You know, and, and yeah. th- there is that kind of element to it, I suppose, where there's whether it's superstition or or whatever. Um, yeah. But I guess you know, in their case, you know, in in Paul and Sarah's case, you know, they've been going out for less than a football season, um, which isn't really a long time in the grand scheme of things. Yes, yeah, so um, although he's managed to get her pregnant, he's, he's got her pregnant, and you know, <laughs> they may or may not end up together. We'll find out in Fever Pitch Two. Well, as we jig in the streets, wave our football scarves and swig from a rather warm bottle of bubbly, we leave you with a question. Should everyone want something they've always wanted? I've been Kat. I've been Rich. And this has been Don't You Want Me. Good ball by Dixon, finding Smith. 
But Thomas charging through the midfield. Thomas, it's up for grabs now. Thomas!